find what a what an apostolic foundation is at all. We can't pretend as though the apostolic foundation is something that is continuing in the present age and we simply leave it up for interpretation and, 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 uh, and build how we want to build. We are not tearing the apostolic foundation down and then constructing a building project on the side. We are not building our own foundation and yet claiming it mirrors closely to the apostolic foundation. No, we are building upon the foundation that is Christ tied specifically to what Paul the Apostle has laid because of his extensive labors in the known Gentile world. And if we build as Paul would have it, we build then as the other apostles would have it because they stand united under Christ. Now, I will tell you, it is impossible. And I'm talking in the day of scrutinizing judgment by Christ himself. It is impossible and unsanctioned to lay another foundation because verse 11, it says the foundation is Jesus, the Christ. It is Jesus, the Messiah. He is the foundation. So when anyone starts to build, they are building upon the foundation. So it is impossible and unsanctioned. Now, you might say, well, it is possible because it is happening that many are building foundations that are not Christ. No, it is impossible from the perspective of eternity because that construction will be wiped out completely. So it is impossible. It will not remain in the face of eternity. And it is certainly unsanctioned in the, in the previous age, in this age and in the age to come. It is unsanctioned to build another foundation. It is unsanctioned to build something that has nothing to do with Christ or to build deceptively saying something has everything to do with Christ and it does not. The foundation is Christ. He is the foundation. And if he is the foundation, there's so much there because Paul reveals what ties into a foundation. He speaks about wisdom. He speaks about intimate construction. He speaks about identity. He speaks about reward, refining judgment. He says that Christ is the foundation, the purpose. He is the foundation and the purpose and has provided the full instructions for how building must take place. I'll say that again. He is the foundation, Christ. He is the purpose. He's the reason that people build. And he has provided the full instructions for how building must take place. You have the full instruction. Here is how you must build. That's not left to your interpretation and it's not left up to mine. It is the word of God that says here is how you must build. He is also the source of every believer's ability to construct anything at all. He is our source. He is the one who has shown us how to build. He has given us the desire to want to build. And therefore, he is now standing as head over that which is called the church, because that's what Paul is referring to. That is what the Corinthians placed under attack when they begin to raise up factions, when they begin to find the, the foundation and purpose of building in other men and in other individuals. Time, Paul points us to time, specifically the end of time, will test how men chose to build. He says in verse 12, now if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, 
precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each man's work will become evident. Each man's work will become evident. Men will use materials, and those materials will not simply stand alone, but it will reveal how they are crafted together, what is man's motive and intentions, and how he is built. So each man's work will become evident, and it won't become evident to us uh, instantaneously, not all the time. But there is a day that's coming that Paul refers to, and that day is a literal time frame upon which the construction of all these buildings, quote unquote ministries, they're going to have to stand before the one who will test them with the fire. So the construction specifically related to the Lord's church, this is what it is and how it serves and works in the lives of his people. That's the building process. I'll say it again. The construction that Paul is referring to. He's not talking about buildings. He's not talking about the silly little programs that exist. He's talking about the Lord's church. And he's speaking about it this way. How it serves and works in the lives of his people. That's the building process. That is the process of building. It is through and for the people. It's not hang a picture here. It's not let's go ahead and introduce these three programs and let's hire these three individuals to manage these three programs. It's not any of these silly little things that men do in order to validate themselves. Look at verse nine, because that's where I'm getting it from. He says, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. So you are simultaneously the builder and the building. So Paul points that out and then says, be careful how you build. And then later on in the passage, he makes each one of us representative of God's temple. We are then God's temple. And that is because God resides in those whom he has saved. He lives in those whom he has saved. That is why he calls us. God's building, God's temple, just as in the time of Israel, uh, when the temple, the second temple specifically was standing as it was, you still had very much God's presence until his glory departs in the Old Testament time. Right during uh, the reign, uh, the reign of, uh, of David, uh, you have this right after the reign of David, you have the departure of his glory in Ichabod. And then you uh, prior to that time, you have where the, the construction of God's glory was evident and present in the tabernacle before that time. And then leading up to the temple construction, you have God's very active and real presence uh, with respect to the nation itself in the temple. And then beyond that, when his glory departs from the temple, you have the time that Jesus promises where he says his spirit will reside in people, in people. And that through that, he will build his church he will build his church by bringing people into fellowship with himself, and he will preside over them as the king of kings, lord of lords, and undisputed head of the church. And so you see that that language is evident because it also points to a time of judgment that Paul will certainly highlight. But time, specifically the end of time, will test how men chose to build. 
It will test if they understood what it means to build it all. So here, what Paul says then is the proper materials must be in place. In order to build, you must understand the foundation. You must understand why you're building at all. And you must understand what it is you're building. You can see here that the danger of using faulty materials, pragmatic building processes, taking shortcuts to erect something for the purpose of recognition has no sway when you want something to last for eternity. You can see the danger because that's the context with which Paul is warning the Corinthians. There's great danger in that. So many, and I mean so many, are just throwing things together. They're just throwing things together and calling it God's building. They're just throwing it together. So many are not careful how they build. And those who are careful are mocked for building patiently the way that Paul in Christ has told believers to build. They're mocked for it. They're laughed at. They're scorned for actually saying, I'm going to take the approach because what I'm building, I want to last for eternity. I want the believers not only to benefit in this life, but I don't want this all to be burned. I don't want this to be seen as something superficial in the eyes of God. And so, so many are just throwing things together, whatever sticks, and they're building that way and they're calling it God's building. They're calling it God, a move of God, endowed by God's spirit, God's working, all those buzzwords, and they're not building carefully. Paul said build carefully. Well, if you're being asked to build carefully, that means that there are instructions, that there are clear instructions. There is a clear way, clear design to build. And then there are so many, and I mean so many, who have no clue what they're building at all. They don't even know what they're building, but they have launched forward into the building process. There are also some within this not knowing what they're building. They're building business. They're building businesses. But they have no idea that what Paul has commanded the Corinthians to do and thus commands us is that you must be building up people. You must be building up people. You must be building up people on the foundation of Christ. That is the building process to which he affirms. In fact, that is honoring the foundation. It is honoring the foundation because we look at the person and work of Jesus Christ. We look at his ministry. We look at how Christ himself came to seek and save the lost. We see how Christ is the sanctifier himself. We see how he is the source of our sanctification. We see how he is by his resurrection, the source of our justification. Being declared righteous and not guilty based on what he has accomplished. We see that. And so you and I do not have the liberty to just throw things together. But you see that what people have turned to is they've turned to the physical and they've turned away from the people. And I suspect it's why the exaltation of physical structures, actual buildings... Just keep getting more and more elaborate because people have no idea what they're supposed to be building. 
They think that what will please God is if we just aesthetically make things more pleasant to the eye. But what God is commanding in the lives of his people, especially first among the apostles, is that you have to build the people. You have to build the people up. And if you build the people up, then they will do likewise. And then what you have is functioning church where people's gifts are being used for the benefit of one another. So this isn't a concern with simply building physical structures that withstand temporal things. This is building for eternity. It's building for eternity. And in the absence of that, you will have people who just construct buildings. They construct buildings. And like the civilizations of old, they will use people to simply build buildings. Just build buildings, and the buildings are pleasing to the eye and exalted in the minds of the people and give people a sense of uh, emotional stimulation and therefore thereby you have come close to God but God doesn't honor that what God honors is the building up of his people by his word on the foundation of Christ and how the gifts operate within the life of the church and so you see that he says in verse 12, now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, verse 13, each man's work will become evident for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. The fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If I pause there, that is a great Nightmare and concern for those who are building on faulty foundations and a great encouragement and relief to those who are building true because the fire is going to reveal the project. It's going to reveal if you have built the way that God has commanded the fire will reveal. And so if you look at verse 14, if any man's work which he has built on it remains, so the fire is not meant to consume everything. The fire is meant to reveal and refine. But it's also meant to wipe out that which does not belong to the Lord. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. And then he says, if any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet so as through fire. I'll explain what that means. Our work must not only stand the test of time so many speak about that so many are concerned with temporal legacies that's how factions begin in the first place that's in fact what paul is saying we must tear these factions down and one way to do that is fix your hope on eternity look at how things ought to last through eternity but our work must not only stand the test of time it's not enough paul says it must withstand the judgment of christ it must withstand the judgment of Christ. It must stand in the face of his appraisal, of his appraisal, and it must meet eternal standards. This inspection by Christ is one that is scrutinizing. It's intimate. It is a revealer of sorts because you're standing before the Holy One who knows all things. He knows your motives. He knows your concerns. 
He knows all things. He knows why you built what you built to begin with, and he knows how long it's going to last. It must stand in the face of his appraisal, and it must meet eternal standards. Is it any wonder, have you ever thought about that when people try to build something that has a temporal legacy attached to it, it's always corrupted. It's always revealed to be corrupted. And it's not necessarily because those people are being persecuted. It's because they're attempting to build with faulty materials. So you'll have these ministries that show up and they built with fleshly materials they built on a foundation that's not belonging to Christ and they collapse. And yet some of them remain. And in remaining, some of them will meet with the refiner's fire if the person themselves demonstrates a repentance for that which was built in the faulty men. Whereas some of them will be utterly destroyed. But what we build concerning the Lord's church. What we build must stand in the face of his appraisal and his commendation. And it must meet eternal standards. It's so often that I have heard it spoken that even about this passage about building something that lasts. And no one really defines for you why it must be that way and how long it must last. It must last through eternity. Well, what is the it? It is the people upon whom God has called you to build up in the most holy faith. It is not the buildings. It's not the programs. It's not the things that you fit people through, the filters you fit them through so that they might come out how you wish them to come out. It is the building them up in the word of God because the word of God is the eternal standard. And so people are now growing unto in their sanctification, they're growing into what is called glorification, that they will see Christ as he is, that they will meet you in eternity before him. You're building something that lasts unto eternity. But I will say this, and this is uh, sobering for all, each one of us, for all of us. A refiner's fire is coming for everyone who has ever built a refiner's fire, it's coming. And listen, that fire will reveal whose work is true, whose work is lasting, and it will also reveal whose work is fake and whose work is fleeting. It's going to reveal it. And Paul categorized it as the day. The day. Paul wrote that in the day, the fire will test the work. He's speaking of the end of the age, that the day upon which all things are called to account before Christ. So, too, then will the work of those who were claiming or rightfully building for him. For the Corinthians, they could expect so far that the fire would scorch their personality cults and their factions. They could expect that. That's why Paul is warning them. Cease and desist. Do not build any longer. They could expect that this fire to which Paul uh, revealed, it would lay waste to their divisions and their dissensions. It would lay waste to it. But this is not some generic and general thing that Paul is referring to. Because often that is how you can 
have people feel justified in continuing to build in a faulty manner, that you just make things generic in general. What Paul is mentioning is very intimate and specific. Verse 13, he says, each man's work will become evident. There's nowhere to run and there's nowhere to hide. Each man's work. And yet this this refiner's fire ought to bring an encouragement to those of us who are in the faith. It ought to encourage our hearts because it is meant to beautify that which is true. It's meant to beautify, to restore. It is meant to beautify the true. The fire itself will reveal that which is true as well. That's a blessing that we can take our work. We can take what we have built because each one of us are building. We can take what we have built and place it in the hands of Christ. And the fire will determine if it truly belongs to him and if it stands as it ought. It is meant to beautify the true and to purge the false. But listen, none of this is or should be a cause for fear among those who have built properly. It should not be a cause for fear for those of us who have built properly, patiently. Why do I say that? Well, because in verse 14, it says, if any man's work which he has built on it remains so that means that there will be some who remain he will receive a reward those who have built properly will each receive a reward for building properly again this is personal and intimate this is in the territory of well done my good and faithful servant it is that personal so there is one who will receive the reward for building properly That is what Paul says. This shows that also, listen to this, that God cares greatly how we build. God cares how we build. You don't just get to build it and then say, well, I tried my best. I put your name on it. I made it look like this. Or, you know, the spirit of the age had me follow this trend and they said that it led to you. He cares how we build. And he cares from an eternal and ancient perspective. This is like ancient of days. He cares specifically also on what foundation we have built. Have we built on the true apostolic foundation or otherwise? And there's so many, even in Roman Catholicism, even in so-called modern evangelicalism, which is uh, its offshoot being charismaticism, who call things apostolic. But it must truly be apostolic because if it's not, it will be destroyed. You can't just call it apostolic and do the opposite of what the apostles did or take out of context what they did or add some modern uh, some modern trend to what you think they should have done. It is to build exactly as has been commanded by God, according to the word that houses all of the instructions on how we ought to build what he has commanded. He cares. He cares about the foundation. He cares if it's tied to his apostle that he sent to tell us about it. He cares if it's built on the foundation of Christ. He cares who the builders are. But look, in this, there are those. There are builders who rushed. There are builders who rushed. Maybe they wanted to make a good showing in the flesh. We could probably say that about 
uh, those who were engaged in the conflict that is brought before us in the beginning of this uh, particular epistle. That maybe they wanted to make a good showing in the flesh. Uh, instead of waiting for Christ to come, let's just build and hide in men and we can just be elaborate in whatever it is we're trying to build. Maybe they just wanted to get something up to be seen. They just wanted to get something up. Just get it out. Just get it going so everybody can see that we're at least building. Well, some of them may have done so ignorantly. And that's what Paul says. They may have held conviction for some of them because he does call these brethren in verse uh, uh, in verse one of chapter three. And I, brethren, you're acting as fleshly men. You're still my brothers and sisters, he says to them. But you're acting as fleshly that they perhaps held conviction, but they built incorrectly. They held conviction, but they built incorrectly. And so the fire will purge all that they have built, but it will save them. That's what he says. Now, what's assumed here is repentance. It's not simply ignorance. It's not simply arrogance. It's not self-justification. He's not saying you can build any way you want. And for some of you, you know, the Lord will still save you, but he's going to destroy your work. No, he's not saying that. He's pointing you to a people who that they have heard all that is said and they have come to the realization whenever that time is that they have built incorrectly. And yet God is going to lay waste because what they built still remains even if they're not attached to it. What they built remains and it is destroyed and they are saved because they are his. The fire will purge all they have built, but it will save them. They will not be consumed. Now, listen, this is not a parable. It's not a parable. And it certainly isn't a, a, a parable to build carelessly and hope to survive. That's not what Paul is saying. And I would say it's not that because every modern evangelical pragmatic program plays that gambling game. They're playing that parlor game where I'm going to build carelessly and we'll see what happens. But that's not what the word of God teaches. Instead, what Paul is giving is a warning. He's giving a warning. If you look at verse 15, he doesn't say it's OK to build incorrectly. God's going to save you. No, he's saying much rather that you build correctly. You much rather build correctly. I'm going to what our Lord has said, because, again, Paul has learned of Christ where he says the righteous barely make it in. When he talks about the narrow gate and the broad gate, he's saying you want to be careful that you're building in a way that the refiner's fire will uh, will uh, will sustain your work and will sustain you. Because we want what we do to be pleasing to Christ. We don't want what we do to be lost. So this isn't a parable to build as carelessly as you like. And perhaps the Lord will sustain and validate yourself. But your work will be lost. And nobody will know about it. No. In fact, this is a very grand occasion called the day. Where everything is taken into account before all people. It is a warning. It is a warning to be sure that the standards are actually met. That's the warning. That's the warning. 
It says in verse 15, such a man will suffer loss. I like the way that Paul puts that. There's no joy in you coming out of the refiner's fire and everything you did being at a loss. There's no joy in that. There's no joy in destruction. You thought you were building something that had lasting value in the eyes of eternity before Christ, so to speak. And yet you survive, but your work is lost. That which you did, did not survive. He says that they will suffer loss. It's not just the loss of that which was destroyed. It is the impact of suffering the loss of that which was destroyed. He will feel the sting of building against God's design. But also he would not lose his eternal hope. That is what Paul is saying. This is not referring to the false teacher. Paul has something for them a little bit later down the line. It is referring to those who are true, but perhaps they have built under false pretenses. They built under false pretenses. Perhaps they are in particular areas now where they are availing themselves to those who are not wise master builders. And yet they themselves are trying to build in the wise way. But listen, this is also not an encouragement to build under false pretense. Paul is not saying, I encourage you to at least build something. No. He's saying build according to the standard that was given to us, the new birth, and a build and build upon the foundation of Christ and build according to the apostolic command and imperative to do so. In other words, why risk total destruction? Why risk it? Why not just build the way that God has commanded? Why say I would rather be the individual in verse 15 rather than be the individual in verses 10 to 14? Why not just say I want to build the way that God has commanded me to build because it's clear? Because here's the risk. Such a person who says I'll just take my chance, they may not themselves survive. They may be destroyed along with their work. So Paul is not saying that the majority position is to build like the individual in 15. He's saying the Christian is expected to build like he has said from verses 9 to 14. I want you to build and build in such a way that you're sure and build in such a way that you receive a reward. Because, again, what are we talking about or who are we talking about? God's building his people simultaneously builder and building that is what we're constructing we're constructing one another in this most holy faith that is fellowship it's not fellowship if simply only one of us shows up no one is here at all right we do have a time in which we're before the lord fellowshipping with him but with one another we're not building anything together why risk total devastation and and destruction. Because listen, Paul is not talking about buildings and programs here. He's not talking about buildings and programs. That is where so many miss this text. That's why there are so many buildings and programs. He is talking about building what Christ has established through his people. If Christ is a foundation, then we view his person. We view where 
Uh, he is proclaimed in the Old Testament, in the New. We view his salvation work. We view the new birth and all the teachings of Christ. And we view the Great Commission. The Corinthians were not, gui- they, they were not guilty of failing to build buildings. They were not guilty of that. Corinthian society had their share. They were not guilty of failing to build buildings. Modern evangelicals are not guilty of failing to build buildings. They have buildings for buildings. But instead, the guilt lies on this point. Have you failed to build up one another? That is the fault of the Corinthians. That is where they were guilty. They were guilty of failing these Corinthians to build up one another. They were tearing down one another. Do not be distracted by the physical structures and programs. Do not be distracted by those things. Be encouraged by this. Are people being built up in one another in the most holy faith in Christ? That is the standard. That is the whole reason for which Paul launches into this language about building and construction. Are we building up one another in Christ, truly? The means through which we do that, right? The word, the exercising of the gifts and the fellowship we enjoy under all those things. Are we using his materials? I think of Ephesians with that passage, Are we, uh, with, with that idea. Are we using his materials and his standard of the new birth and all it requires of us as our instructional manual? We are born again believers who take our marching orders from the word of God. That is our charter. And therefore we build accordingly. Are we then building? These are encouraging questions. Are we building with eternity in view? Are we building with eternity in view? Or are we building according to the spirit of the age? And listen to this. Do we fear the refiner's fire? Or do we long for the day that it comes to us? Do we fear the refiner's fire or do we long for the day that it comes to us? I suspect so many live in so-called labor and so-called minister in secret under false pretense. They fear the day of the refiner's fire. That's why the PR teams just keep getting larger. But for us, we don't have that fear. We have the hope. If you are in Christ, you have the hope that when that last day comes. That your work in him will be commended because he's the one who built through us. Let's pray.